0: The Gubbi Gubbi are the traditional custodians of the lands we record this podcast on. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging, as they hold the memories, tradition and culture of this land. We extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.
1: Hello, I'm Kate Fisher. Welcome to Milkshakes for Mali, the podcast that tells the survival stories of blood product recipients, to thank donors and to encourage people to donate blood, plasma, platelets and breast milk. If you have ever been a donor, you could be the one who saved, prolonged or improved the quality of life of the people that we profile here each week on the Milkshakes for Mali podcast. And becoming a donor in the future means that you too could become a part of this story. If you are new to the pod and want to hear our origin story, Please scroll back in your podcast feed and listen to the first episode, which tells the story of our daughter, Marley, and her story of seronegative paediatric autoimmune encephalitis and the way that Australian plasma donors have saved her life. And to find updates on Marley, her amazing seizure response service dog, Patty, our beautiful little family with additional needs, and all of the news from the Milkshakes for Marley community, please join us on all the socials. We also love it when you share or tag us in your blood donation photos, even if you don't donate to the Milkshakes for Mali Lifeblood team. But we would love to have you there as well, um, as this all just helps to spread the message of the importance of blood donation. Danielle joins us today on the podcast to share her story of the passing of her partner Jake from brain cancer in 2016 and to thank the Australian blood donors who gave Jake more time and improved his quality of life during his final chapter. We extend our deepest sympathies to you Danielle and to all those who love Jake and welcome you to the podcast and to the milkshakes for Mali community.
0: Um, thank you for having me. <laughs> Lovely
1: to have you here. Um, can we just open the episode with how you and Jake met?
0: Yeah, no worries. Um, so at the time, I was nineteen, mm-hmm. and he was twenty-two, mm-hmm. um, and I was on break at uni, so I was just in Gloria jeans um, in Fremantle. Yeah, and he just happened to be there at the same time, um, and I noticed he was staring at me, um, but it was in a non non creepy way, so it was like. <laughs> like nice and sweet but it it didn't come across like I know saying this story it's like oh that's that's interesting but he wasn't like that um smiling at me um and then I went to get up and then he started speaking to me um so it just all went from there we sort of exchanged numbers and then we went on our first official date about a week or two later after we talked um through message a little bit so yeah lovely (laughs) it's such a a beautiful normal
1: romantic way to meet there's so much you know of the tinder and all of those types of things (laughs) it's all online so that's a beautiful story of how you met Um, and (laughs) what was it about him that first caught your attention um so
0: he had big blue eyes yeah very big smile it's very warm and welcoming smile that um just really drew me in um yeah and he was just very well spoken and had a really good sense of humor so he was really easy to talk to yeah um
1: I get the real sense um from people that when they lose somebody like this um and particularly you know Jake had such a short time on this earth not nearly enough time from all the beautiful things that I've read and heard about him um but people's memories of him will always be colored by the fact that he had a brain tumor and so much about of the way that he passed and things towards the end. So the reason that I'm asking you these questions at the beginning of the episode is that I'm really interested to know about the man that refused to let his diagnosis define him and managed to still fit in university in between, you know, oncology and chemo and all of that kind of stuff. Um, How do you think Jake would like to be remembered?
0: Um, oh, he'd definitely liked to be remembered prior to his illness. And that's when I think of him. I just recall that time I don't really go towards when he was sick because yeah. his, he did change a little bit. Um, But he would probably like to be remembered as someone who was very passionate. Um, He liked to make people laugh. He was always thinking of other people before himself, which was lovely, even when he was in the midst of all this diagnosis. It was always how other people were dealing with it. Um, yeah, he'd want to be remembered as someone who was very passionate and motivated, and just he, he was also very intelligent as well. um So yeah, just things like that. But yeah, he was um, yeah, he was, was very nice person to to know. Just uh, even as a friend, like all his friends spoke very highly of him. Loved someone who was dating him. So. Yeah.
1: Um, so I believe you guys had been together for about a year. um when he first became unwell and that you had even just got a new poppy
0: <laughs> yeah. yes we did
1: <laughs> um can you tell me about what it was like when he had his first seizure
0: yeah so we um just came back from a movie night with um some other friends um and it was about 1 30 in the morning and i just woke up to him hitting me in the back Mm-hmm. Um, and at first I just thought he was having like a bad dream or something um, and then I turned the lamp on and I could see that it wasn't like that at all it was like an actual seizure so um, I went across the hall to get his mum mm-hmm. and then um, we sort of just called the ambulance and they came pretty quickly and, and at first they thought it was some sort of deficiency like a potassium deficiency or something mm-hmm. yeah Um, because he was on medication for like an infection so they thought maybe it had something to do with that and then it wasn't till about a day later, then they said it that it was a seizure and there was there was a small mass. But this all happened to three days before Christmas as well. So it was just yeah, supposed to be such an exciting time and it was just horrible. <laughs> um, I still remember that like it was yesterday. Um, but yeah, initially they thought yeah, deficiency, a uh, reaction to the medication, a stroke as well, which sounded terrifying at the time. But in comparison to what happened, we probably prefer the stroke. Um. Yeah, so then that's how it all just snuggled from there. Yeah.
1: Um, And I send so much love to you having been through that experience. So um, our daughter, Marley, the majority of her seizures happen at night time and she still sleeps between my husband and I at night time. She's six and a half now. Um, We say she's had three bonus birthdays because we've nearly lost her a few times. And the fact that she's still earthside is such a special, amazing thing. Um, And it's only due to Australian plasma donors, which is so much of the motivation for making this podcast. Um, but it is a really scary thing to wake up with someone seizing next to you in the middle of the night. And when I read that. I can't begin to imagine how confronting that must have been for you with no reference point. Like, at least we know that she has epilepsy. We know that she has a seizure disorder. We know that it's something to look out for. And um, her initial seizures didn't start like that. So we had experienced seizures previously. Mm -hmm. Um, Had you ever seen someone have a seizure before? Did you have any comprehension that that's what was going on?
0: No, I have never seen that before, and it was the only one I ever saw him have. Um, apparently, he had others, but they were in the hospital all the time, so I didn't see that. Um, but you know, he was totally fine. Um, there was no indication anything was wrong with him, yeah. Yeah, he a lot of people say to me, Oh, did he complain about symptoms before he got sick? No, like he used to say, sometimes he had a headache, but mm. that's like that's not any different to what but I mean,
1: don't we all? <laughs> Everyone gets yeah, tired like at all, <laughs> no,
0: yeah, nothing out of the ordinary, so yeah. Um, Right, no one thought anything of it but no he was completely fine it was a nice evening and the next day we we're gonna go pick up supplies for our puppy yeah. so that just, yeah. <laughs> Derail just us a little bit. Yeah.
1: yeah do you still have the puppy
0: yeah I do have the puppy yeah so she was um gonna be picked up like a week before he we had a seizure so then we had to push it back by like a month um because yeah. no position to begin getting a dog <laughs> of course um, but yeah no I, I um after he passed away the um Elsie's her name she came to live with me Um, Which was really, yeah, she changed a lot as well because (laughs) she's, um, but you know, she's 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 only eight now, so
1: yeah. So, what kind of dog
0: is she? She is a Maltese cross with a fish on freeze Oh, beautiful, terrible, coloured, yeah. No, she's beautiful, she's a lovely dog. I'm so glad I have her, she's yeah, lovely reminder of of that time,
1: (laughs) yeah, to have that little extra piece, um, so. After the initial prognosis and treat, what was the treatment plan that he was given? Like how quickly did things go from seizure, possible stroke into, yeah, how quickly everything progressed?
0: Very quickly. Um, Within two days, he was in having a um was it cranial, cranial uh, brain surgery mm. um, so that was on Christmas Eve. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that it happened within two days. So this is why just how quickly life can just change like that. Um, and then he began radiation first and then chemo, but he took chemo the pill, so he didn't have to go into hospital. So that was good. Um, but yeah, all this was done within a month. Um yeah. and then that was pretty much this the like the treatment option the next time it recurred. And then again, um, but yeah, the doctors made it very clear that it wasn't a QI, it was simply a good treatment option. to yeah try to get it under control
1: to give you some more time so how much time did they initially say that he would have
0: so the first time he had the seizure and then went in they said four years um and then the next time it was like about two and then the following time when it grew back in its most aggressive form it was six to twelve months So.
1: so I just when I was writing this episode I was thinking about you know, the first 12 months of being with someone. And obviously if you guys were, you know, getting a puppy together and those kinds of things, you were looking potentially at spending together, you know, spending forever Mm -hmm. together. And then that forever potentially looked like it would be decades and then it would be years. And then, you know, months turned into weeks, which turned into days, which turned into hours and how, incredibly important those hours and days would have become
0: mm. um
1: do you remember at what point he needed blood products and how much they improved his quality of life in those short mm. time that he had
0: left yes so it wasn't at first it was a bit later mm-hmm.
1: um, yeah no he
0: It he, he did help a little bit i mean everything at the time was helping but yeah no he did yeah um, he did say that in the is it the final, the final time of return? They were trying a lot of trials and things like that. So, yeah, it did yeah. Really, really, yeah, it, it did make
1: a difference in everything. Yeah. So. yeah, and just a reminder to all of our listeners that this is not a medically or scientifically correct podcast. So <laughs> even the timings of everything, absolutely <laughs> oh. no need to remember exactly when it was. But um, I know with lots of the other podcasts that we've done before when people are sort of towards that end stage, that... Um, particularly having those red blood cells go through just gives them that little bit of extra energy and just makes them feel that little bit more well to be able to say goodbye to their loved ones and just have that little bit of extra time and that little bit of extra fight. So um, I'm so glad that Australian blood donors were able to offer just that little bit of comfort to him, you know, at that time. So initially you were hoping that you would get one more Christmas together. Yes. Um, I believe you didn't get to that Christmas.
0: No, so um, when it came back the final time, it was about February of 2016. Um, and so what happened was we went to, I didn't go with him to that appointment because I was working, but um, we went to Crown and he was planning on proposing, but because of the previous appointment, the doctors told him that he, there's nothing what they can really do for him um, and that he looking at about six to 12 months. Um, so he didn't do that, which i really glad that he did because that was So horrible. Oh, so sorry. Um, oh, thank you. Um, so yeah, then he told me after that, because he didn't want to ruin my Valentine's Day, that they actually said that there's nothing more they can really do. And that's when he tried, like, some of the clinical trials and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, so he ended up passing away in October of that year. So he did. He didn't (laughs) make it twelve months. But it's it's so like fascinating. From when they said that to him, he was perfectly fine, and within two to three months, he just started to deteriorate so rapidly. Like I, I, if I wasn't watching, I wouldn't even believe it. If someone was telling me, yeah, so heartbreaking.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I believe um that when he got to that point he was ready to go and he had spoken to you about that, that he didn't want to prolong that suffering longer yeah, than yeah. needed.
0: Yeah, he did say that um, not to put him on, like, a machine or anything, not that they were going to do that, but just, just to let it run naturally. I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, that's not, no point yeah. in going to a machine and if there's no cure for
1: it. So. Yeah. so how old were you at this point?
0: Um, I was 23. So he passed away when like about a month after I turned 24 and he was 27. So you had to grow up very quickly. I did. Yeah. Like I was saying to my mum the other day, um, I'm going to be 30 in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And I feel like 21 to 25 was just gone. Yes. <laughs> was like, what happened to those years? Like I'd like to do them again, but it just so consumed brain cancer and, and what he was going through that I didn't, mm-hmm. didn't get to. But that's okay yeah pretty pretty and for
1: so many people those years are really working out who you are and whether that's through you know different relationships or traveling the world or working out what your career is going to be or any of those things you really start to build your identity through those formative years Definitely. your yeah. identity at that stage very much became the care of someone with a terminal illness and a widow essentially even though you guys oh, weren't yeah. married yeah, um
0: yeah. That, <laughs> yeah and
1: that has to impact the rest of your life and your relationships in the future and all of those things. So.
0: Oh, for sure. Definitely. um, It was a very sad, like I look back on it and I'm just, I don't want to think about it. I don't, it's over, it's done. Like you you move forward. So um, it's a
1: stressful
0: time to think about.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you for having the bravery to share this today. um, You know, it's so beautiful to be able to hear his story, but also to hear all the beautiful things about him that you know aren't just about the cancer diagnosis as well that there's so much more to his story than just that final 10 months um you write so beautifully about Jake and I adore the way that you want him to be remembered for his big smile and the way that he brought joy to all of those around him Mm -hmm. um can you explain to me what you meant when you've written about what it was like to lose him twice
0: oh yeah um so with brain cancer um I relate it a lot to losing somebody from like dementia or Alzheimer's. It's just um so firstly the personality goes with the character and like basically the essence of who they are it goes. So that left about three months before he died, and then he changed into like a stranger. Um and he's just saying all these things that he would never say. No filter. Um, doing things he wouldn't do, like he refused to swallow his pills like a child, which is something do. it's just because the brain is just Maybe yeah. t- with the cancer um and then he passed away physically as well so it was twice mm-hmm. he went through it um which the doctors didn't mention anything about that so um when it happened I was like what's going on but I guess it makes sense with you know the the cancer being in the brain and all that so mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so you just weren't prepared
0: for uh, that i I googled a lot because I like but this was just not online and I can see why it's not online but yeah I just you just have
1: to do it as it comes -hmm. yeah and the brain's such a complex thing we've been through that with Marley when she's been through the extended status epilepticus um, when she's had the prolonged seizures and she has got a brain injury from some of that time and A few of the times she's come out of it, we weren't expecting her to survive. And when she has come back out of it, um, you know, we bring her out of the induced coma and, you know, extubate her, all of those types of things. And there's been a few times where she hasn't recognised my husband and I as her parents. Like she just doesn't interact with us in any different way to what she does with the medical professionals. And you're so grateful that physically she's still alive, obviously, but you wonder whether that person is gone and if they Mm. will ever come back and um. it's really, really tough. And we've been so fortunate that we've got so much of her back, not all of her, but the majority of her back. And mm. it would be such a different thing going through that with an adult, you know, just for all of you, you know, and for his family and his friends and everything. And I understand that saying goodbye twice because yeah, the person that you love departed long before his body physically yeah, yeah, departed as well. Yeah. Um so during the initial phase, the acute phase of your grief, because I know you will never stop grieving. It's going to be with you forever. It's, you know, grief is just love with nowhere to go. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. found some comfort in making jewelry that helped to distract you. Um, and you say that you chose to transfer your experience into a driving force that raises money for vital brain cancer research and awareness. Um, can you tell me about Pearl Meets
0: Crystal? yeah um so I used to make jewelry a lot when I was younger um but I just life got busy so I just stopped <laughs> yeah uh, then when he passed away I was sort of I don't know if this happens to a lot of people but you sort of resort back to things that you did when you felt safe and when you were child a little bit so I picked up the, the beads again as still happen um and began just making things in the. and at the time I was trying to also think of a way that I could help others with brain cancer seeing it firsthand myself it was important to know that I could do something <laughs> because yeah. I couldn't do anything for Jake, but maybe I could do something to help others. So um, I started playing around and I was looking at this price and going, this is really pretty. Like, I'm sure if I put it online, maybe, maybe something would buy it. Um, so I did. Um, I set up an Etsy store. I set up an Instagram, which is where the majority of the sales come from. And I began to just fill my shop, I guess. And within a week I had my first sale, which was really exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I still get just as excited now as I did when that first set came. Like so I I really do love making jewelry. Um, yeah, and I just I began doing it that way, and I started to attract a lot of media as well by doing it. It was in lots of papers. It's um been in Mamma Mia. It's been on SBS. Um, so yeah, it just sort of escalated, which was lovely, and yeah. everyone's so supportive and so they want to share their story with me, which is lovely as well. But then mm. I have to do that.
1: Yeah. So obviously, we will pop a link to where people can find you in okay. our show notes um, so people can get on because the, the jewelry you make is absolutely beautiful. You've got such a beautiful eye for it. And <laughs> yeah, I think what you're doing is an incredible thing. And that's part of the reason that I wanted to interview you today, um, because what you're doing is so similar to the concept of us wanting to make this podcast is that we don't want other people to have to experience what we experienced in not knowing if there will be enough blood product available to keep their child alive. And there's been so many critical blood shortages between COVID and floods and, you know, all of border closures and all of the things that have happened in Australia in the last few years that I think people are becoming a little bit desensitised to seeing critical blood shortage in the media. They're like, well, every second week there's a critical blood shortage. But to the families on the receiving end that are hoping, you know, to keep people alive, to preserve life, improve quality of life in those end stages. It's so important and, Mm -hmm. you know, we need people to keep getting in the chair to do that. So that's why we've created this podcast and why we're creating the Milkshakes for Mali community is so people have got a place to come together and to share their stories as well. And it sounds like so many people share their stories with you. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have a rough idea of how much money you've now raised um, for the Cure Brain Cancer Foundation?
0: I do. Um, so I calculated this about a month ago, and it's just over 15 grand now. So. Oh, wow. That's amazing. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Considering when I started, I was I was just thinking, oh, maybe if I could just raise a couple hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it reached that. So it's been incredible. Um, I did read um, on Cure Brain Cancer that $500 puts a scientist in the lab for a few days. So, yeah, that's was amazing. yeah Yeah,
1: cool and we'll pop a link to some of that stuff in our show notes as well so that people can see the impact that what you have done has helped with um yeah Mm -hmm. these foundations do such amazing things and they're so underfunded so often so it's amazing Mm -hmm. when people can help out with the fundraising component and hopefully that means that one day another family or loved one won't have to go through what you have been through Um, What message would you like to give Australian blood donors or anyone who's considering donating blood in the future?
0: Um, That if they're in a position to do so, um, absolutely do it because it does make such a difference to the lives of of everybody. Um, I have done it once, I believe, and the only reason I don't do it is because my iron is really low. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Um, I've been told not to do it by the doctors, but um, I I would be doing it as well. Um, I do have a few friends that do it as well. So, yeah, it's it's an amazing thing to give back. Mm -hmm. So important. Thank you. Yeah.
1: yeah well we say here on the podcast that once you have been a blood donor you are a blood donor for life and that doesn't mean doesn't <laughs> matter whether you've made one donation or 100 donations you will always be a blood donor yeah. um and you know that from that blood donation you potentially saved three lives with that one time that you sat in a chair and everyone has the potential to be able to do that so thank yeah. you so much for being an Australian blood donor and thank you for sharing your story um of love of Jake and I hope this episode um, helps to build his incredible legacy and to have people remember him for his beautiful smile and the beautiful joy that he brought to everyone around him um, and the beautiful love story that you guys have together as well Um, and I just want to send you all our love from the milkshakes for Mali community Um, and we will yeah get the message out there about Crystal Meets Pearl so thank you so much for joining us Danielle.
0: Thank you for having me. (laughs)
1: You can find Danielle's beautiful store called Pearl Meets Crystal on Etsy or Instagram with profits going to support brain cancer research. Her jewelry is gorgeous. I'll pop a link on how you can find her in the show notes. I'm so grateful to Danielle for sharing her beautiful love story with Jake with us today. Um, I can't imagine how painful it must be to relive that chapter in her life. And we hope that it helps to shed light on the impact that Australian blood donors can have in making that final chapter of people's lives a little bit more comfortable. May Jake always be remembered for his gorgeous smile, his passion for life, and for the love and joy that he brought to those around him. We are absolutely honoured to have been able to share his story as part of that legacy. Nothing feels more Australian, like the modern demonstration of mateship, than donating blood or breast milk and this product being used to keep another Australian alive. Our daughter is still alive today because of this incredible selfless gift, and it is my privilege to create a space for others to tell their stories and to give thanks. This episode was written and hosted by me, Kate Fisher, with audio production by my husband, Jeff. To make an appointment to donate blood, please call Lifeblood on 13 14 95. Our Lifeblood team is called Milkshakes for Marley and we have donors from all over Australia. So please join us and add your donation to our team tally. Thank you for joining us for this episode. We would be grateful if you could leave us a review as it will bump our episode up into other people's feeds or give us some love on the socials using the hashtag Milkshakes for mali And as always, I'll leave the final word to Marley.
0: Thank you for my praise,